Well, once again, I'm delighted to welcome back Daniel Kelly. Daniel's a great friend, and it was uh, so good to have this conversation with him where we dive into a bit more about where we both are now so that you, the listener, can understand the sorts of questions and sorts of places that we are after uh, both of us going through a couple of years of, of deconversion and, and thinking some of the big questions through a little bit more. Um, yeah, I hope you're hearing this conversation, our heart and our desire to understand and communicate where we are and what we believe to be true across to you. So, yeah. Enjoy this and enjoy the heart behind it. And yeah, I hope you look forward to having Daniel on the show more and more as time goes by and he shares and I share um, in these big questions together. Enjoy. Welcome to When Belief Dies, a podcast honestly reflecting on faith, religion and life. This podcast is all about listening. We want people to share their reasons for faith or their reasons for non-belief so that we can better understand what has or has not convinced somebody of the claims that different religions profess. This is a journey, it's not a destination. And I'm really excited to have you listening with us each week as we delve into different viewpoints from different parts of the world to try and uncover the truth. Enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to When Belief Dies. Uh, my name is Daniel, and I'm here with the regular host of this podcast, Sam. Sam, how are you doing this evening? I'm all right, buddy. I'm all right. Yeah, it's um, it's nice to have someone else introducing the podcast for a change. That's that's a nice thing. So thank you for that. <laughs> how are you, man? Yeah, yeah, doing not too bad, not too bad. Um, yeah, we thought it'd be good to flip the script uh, a little bit. And yeah, what I thought would be really interesting in this uh, episode of the podcast would be to just sort of reflect on where we're at now uh, in our journey. Um, and I think especially you've been running this podcast for about a year now. Um, I think it was... Back in March, not long after lockdown had just first started, that you you sort of began this podcast with um, uh, your friend Dave uh, for a while, having some conversations, and then you've been able to get on some really fantastic uh, guests onto the podcast. So I, I think just to get the conversation started, really interesting to hear from you, sort of some of your reflections on all of these conversations you've been having on uh, for the past year. What have been some of the the standout moments? What have been the moments that have actually made you stop and oh, that's that's something new, that's something I hadn't considered, or or had perhaps changed your thinking from where it was? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think um, I've always been a fan of conversations and having the ability to just openly dialogue about set problems or thoughts or ideas um, to kind of work things through. So I've always found um, conversation to be a good tool to help people to process effectively and I think it's, it has been a year and it's been really interesting seeing my opinions shift and change and um, my passion shift and change as well like I'm still very much like passionate about the podcast and passionate about kind of apologetics and those sorts of things but I think how, how I come at it now is slightly different and it has been um, altered by the sorts of people that I've spoken to and I think that's a um, a really powerful thing as well is is having the ability to 
allow others to come into your life, to speak into your life and to change how you, how you think things through. Um, so kind of, I think for me, there's been kind of two really big areas that I've been working through and the blog hasn't caught up with this yet, which is going to be interesting when that goes live. But um, essentially the kind of argument from reason I found really um, powerful. I think I spoke about that with um, a gentleman called um, Peter Williams, who was on the podcast a while ago. Um, and he does a really good job of kind of explaining what the argument from reason is, um, how our kind of um, rational um, cognitive, uh, cognitive capabilities, um, if they are just a a kind of byproduct of evolution um, and natural selection, then um, they aren't necessarily the, the the rational processes that we might otherwise kind of want them to be. So we've got to kind of uh, settle some probably quite unsettling things within our within our minds. Weirdly, using our rationality. Um, and then the other area I think as well for me is kind of consciousness and um, that sort of um, kind of extra. Um, extra space that seems to be kind of like ballooning in my life which is sort of like that sort of meditation um, um, I, I call it spirituality but it's not like um, not connecting with some, something that's divine but more or less kind of connecting with something that is the prior states to when people begin to think and feel and and speak and interact and there's been a few podcasts that haven't come out yet but will have come out by the time this comes out which is again quite a weird thing to think about um but so those will have come out and it'd be interesting to see what sort of reactions those have got as well where i kind of talk about uh, psychedelics talk about um yeah how i've changed my opinions on drugs and the government and all these sorts of things which I didn't really think I, I did have a big opinion on um, things seem to have sl slowly started changing um, not that I'm like some sort of mental hippie or anything but um, I'm definitely more more open to hearing people talk about their experiences um, within sort of a supernatural setting being able to not go well, that's complete shit but actually being able to sit around and go okay well that's really interesting why do you think this links to God and then kind of following their their train of thought um, for instance the episode just before this one goes live will have been a conversation about um, evolution where someone called um, Perry essentially um, Perry Marshall has written a book called Evolution 2.0 where he looks at um, his evidence and reasoning that actually cells aren't um, sort of just randomly mutating they're actually purposefully mutating so there is such a thing as, as natural selection but cells purposefully mutate within natural selection rather than random mutation and natural selection so he calls it evolution 2.0 which is just a really interesting concept so he basically looks at loads of literature there's loads of um, actually kind of quite well documented articles and stuff where people are beginning to say that our kind of classic Darwinian views of evolution might not necessarily be correct. Now, I'm not saying that Perry's right in what he's saying, but what I'm what I'm trying to say is it's really interesting coming to these sorts of people, hearing their opinions and trying to work out um, where they see God within these situations and settings um, and actually begin to kind of realise that, that people have um, a way of looking at the world that doesn't always necessarily map onto the way that I look at the world or, or you, Daniel, the way that you look at, you look at the world. But actually, um, if we can begin to kind of drop our sort of judgment and actually go oh that's how they see things and I guess from that perspective things look like this oh that's interesting how can I kind of get into that and begin to work it through a bit more so um so yeah um I think they've that's a very big overview but they've been things that I found um really powerful I think in this journey um I still have no answers I'm still very much just journeying this all through and trying to work out what's right and wrong um I still definitely have a a desire for Christianity to be true, which I think is going to annoy a lot of people um, who listen to this who kind of want to prove Christianity to be wrong, which is, you know, um, difficult in, in and of itself, depending on what you think Christianity is. Um, but yeah, I still have a desire for the beliefs that I once held to be true. I don't think they are true, but I think that Christianity has um, 
had a massive influence upon the world. I think it's very, very hard to say otherwise. Um, so looking forward to future conversations. Like I've got one with, with, with Tom Holland in a couple of weeks lined up where we can look at his book Dominion together um, and to begin to kind of process that element as well, like how Christianity has affected and shaped the West especially. Um, and these are these are massive subjects, which I don't think people necessarily look into too much, but um, kind of the final thing I'll say is, is, is humanism. So I've spoken to a lot of people about humanism in the last kind of few months and um, I've actually noticed very much that a lot of the humanist values and the things that we hold to be true um, are either kind of stories that we just tell ourselves um, or they're real and if they're real what are they linked to what's that what's that intrinsic thing that they're linked to and if they are stories um, are they stories that have been brought about because of the judo-christian framework and narrative and and arguably um, yes they are um, there's a lot of people who kind of say humanism goes before Christianity and has influences from outside of Christianity and I, I don't disagree with that but I think today predominantly in the West the sort of humanism we see uh, the sorts of conversations that surround humanism um, definitely have um, their roots within um, that judo-christian framework for them to be as important as they are today I'm, I'm sure there'd still be some sort of humanism without Christianity but um, the sort of Christianity we see today is so prominent and, and dominant within society because of Christianity um, and that sort of a uh, path that it made for humanism to kind of come in. Um, so I think these 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 things are really interesting. So I think Christianity has done a lot of good. It's done a lot of harm. Um, it's got a lot of questions around it. And um, yeah, I've just been enjoying this journey, really. Yeah, some really interesting stuff there. And yeah, uh, a lot of that is, is very similar to my experience. And just to pick up on the first thing you said there, sort of um, thinking about how we think through things is often, I think, the biggest challenge. And for many people that sort of go on this journey, you, you kind of pick up on actually that's where a lot of this, this journey starts, where there's a actually the former ways of understanding myself don't seem to be matching with reality the you know we we all know that we get things wrong and you know i know we both um, really like the work of daniel Kahneman um and his book thinking fast and thinking slow and a lot of the the advancements we've made in cognitive psychology and understanding heuristics and understanding how we how we try and make sense of the world is often based around survivability rather than based around perfect truth tracking knowledge and trying to and i guess especially when you're going through such a big massive philosophical rearrangement and you're questioning one of the most you know core concepts questioning your you know something which is so core to your identity while also then actually the conclusion you're then aware of well actually this is based on still based on the same brain it's still based on this same machinery which more and more you know i do appreciate it it's it's nowhere near perfect it's nowhere near comprehensive um yeah i wonder if you've got any more thoughts on that yeah it's 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 fascinating um we have this desire for truth um, and I think the more that we begin to look at stuff, the less real it is and the more fuzzy it becomes. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of um, believe in um, 
in dark matter due to kind of Einstein's theory of relativity um, and and we kind of understand how things need to have weight and mass uh, for them to kind of um, essentially get yeah, like drop down within uh, space and, and and bend time and light and it's 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 fascinating because you can't really study dark matter and if you look at um, a cloud for instance I found this really helpful from um, uh, from from a philosophy um, YouTube channel that I've been following recently, um, a guy called Kane is a really interesting philosopher, and essentially he he kind of talks of this idea of of a cloud and how do you say that this is a cloud and this isn't a cloud because if you start zooming into a cloud and look at the edges, um, it becomes really really hard to go okay well this bit's in this bit's out like how do you fit these things together. Um, and then, yeah, it, it's it's interesting because we we consistently want to use our brains to come to logical, structured conclusions on certain things in life. And actually, um, everything needs to be held in tension. There isn't a, um, I mean, we've we've spoken about this offline. There isn't necessarily a right or wrong. There is a a scale, and it's it's where where you're going to weigh different elements to to kind of make that scale make sense for you and 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 your life and. Um, almost kind of rethinking society as rather than being this sort of um, um, I don't know this this thing where you turn around and say well this thing's wrong and this thing's right you you you, you begin to look at society and, and realize that there are essentially um, millions and millions of contracts between individuals and corporations and governments where we're all trying to um, get the best that we can within life and actually we we aren't necessarily trying to get this perfect life although we paint that picture and then we kind of um almost without realizing it go for it but what we're actually trying to do is just get through today like we 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 so often don't um think about you know retirement we, we kind of think about maybe next year we might be able to go on holiday if lockdown's over potentially like that's where we're kind of at that's probably the furthest that we're willing to look at the moment um but actually when we begin to look at society, we realise that, um, well, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that my entire street aren't always fighting all the time or having massive arguments or whatever. And then you begin to realise that, well, that's for so many reasons. Like, you could just look at economics and go, the the, the reason that there is so much um, connection and communication and kind of people coming together um, isn't for tr truth necessarily or kind of or for understanding something. It's because um, we've built this concept, which is money, and this concept money enables this person that sells apples and this person that sells st stainless steel piston pumps or whatever um, to begin to transact because if this person wanted to buy a, p a piston pump, they'd have to, you know, have this many kilograms of apples. And by the time they've collected that many apples, they're going to have gone off and this person's only able to make like one of these every six months so actually you need to be able to begin to make this kind of common agreed upon thing i.e money which can interact people can use money to buy apples and to buy these piston pumps and because of that there is this cooperation that that we just don't even think about but is drawing out this sort of altruistic um like desire to actually kind of sacrifice ourselves to the greater good of the economy and that we don't even look at things like inflation or, or these other elements of life because we just accept that that's the way society is and without realizing that actually we've all agreed to this contract we never investigate this contract we never go in and go why do i take part in this weird sort of like fiat currency contract and we just go along with it because that's the thing that we've been told and that's what our world's built upon so that's what must be true but is it true and, and no it's not it's all it's all a story that we fabricated. It's, it's fascinating when you really begin to look at, at, at like at just just economics. I mean, we could do that with sociology, with psychology. There's so many other elements you can go into, and um, but just that one little area, you begin to see that it's all built upon nothing. Um, and then you can begin to go like, okay, well, this this makes you want to question everything, and that's really exciting for someone like me, but also really scary for a lot of other people. So um, yeah, it's it's a it's a bizarre one. Um,
I was going to kind of going to kind of push it back at you, Daniel, and kind of ask you in the last kind of uh, few years. I know you, I know you shared a few episodes ago with kind of your story. Um, how how do you how do you see the world now, especially because you're involved with uh, with kind of fi- within the finance industry? I'm not necessarily expect you to go into that, but kind of how how how's your worldview shifted from yeah your sort of Christian days and your desire to kind of do good for these probable reasons, i.e., God, I assume, and and today your your sort of desire to do good for or what what's your reason? Uh, yeah, no, it's it's an interesting one because I guess there's a, I mean, a lot of things changed and a lot of things didn't change, uh, I guess, you know, just in terms of, you know, on that earlier point around how do we, how we think things through, uh, I think, especially for me coming from that sort of very um Calvinist structured theology where you you prove things and things are right or things are wrong and that very black and white thinking um you know encountering things like um Bayes theorem and uh, not even necessarily to use it formally um punching in the numbers to the equation but rather sort of now I think far more in confidence levels you know, I'm 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 ninety nine point nine 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 percent sure the sun will rise tomorrow, but I don't actually hold to it one hundred percent. And that took me a while to actually get my head around and and actually step back from absolute certainty on on, on basically anything. No, I mean, and and learning to just settle into I can act with confidence, and when I put in the effort and I think through things and I make observations and I challenge my my own thinking to whatever is most reasonable to the level of decision that I'm making you know I I would love to be a perfect skeptic on absolutely everything in life but at the end of the day you need to decide where you're going to (laughs) eat um you know uh, I don't think that's necessarily entirely rational um but yeah I think for me that was probably the biggest change you know in terms of my you know i in terms of the motivation to do good i think you know in one in one case it's it's kind of i think my concept of me as an individual has also changed um i think i'm far and don't get me wrong i don't necessarily have this entirely worked out in this brilliant uh fashion but you know um you know when i was thinking through sort of the work of the the french existentialists and and particular some of the works of uh simone de Beauvoir, um and sort of how she tackled ethics under existentialism and sort of saying well actually you know if you believe in god then you kind of have your actions don't actually mean that much because there's a god who's going to come along and reset everything he's going to just even it all out at the end of the day and actually to truly be um an an independent subject is actually your your actions become have meaning um you know the the values and how you discern goodness make a difference uh, and actually bring that goodness into existence and you know especially you know metaethics is is a fascinating subject and i've um 
I've learned quite quite a lot around that, which is, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I don't blame anyone who is a Christian or was a Christian and is sort of in that journey to go, how, how do I have goodness in a world without God? And is it okay to sort of say, well, actually, the only goodness I'm capable of is kind of selfish? Um, although what I would then say is I would agree with that. But at the same time, who I am as a self is not just the confines of who I am as a strict individual. That is very much a, a structure that we have in our society that many other elements of society don't quite have. And, you know, it's a weird thought experiment, but if you're an ant, you don't think like there isn't really a single ant that, that truly lives as an ant. Ants only live in community as a, as a collection. And I mean, if you zoomed out of London at rush hour during more normal times, of course, um, all you would see is a whole bunch of ants just rushing into their colony and uh, going back out again. You know, it's, I think, embracing the fact even that if there is not some, like, universal either objective or at least a, a God to give a, a subjective reference point for what is good or bad, we are still social creatures. Um, and so while it's a really complex area and sort of um, thinking through, well, does morality exist? I, in a weird way, I kind of want to say no, but I want to say no to that in that I don't believe unicorns exist but that's not to say I don't believe horses and narwhals don't exist. I just think we're, what we're doing is we're putting together a bunch of concepts that are real and, and sticking them together and calling it morality. We are social creatures. We actually care about each other. Um, we have an interest in being a society and enjoying uh, these things in our lives. And so, yeah, I, I mean, in my work, I, I still work in the, the field of, of debt advice and helping people out of financial difficulty and as much as I'm not on the front lines anymore and engaging directly with customers I sort of play the policy role um, in the background I still like if it's selfish that I get a kick out of knowing hey when I when I make a change when I'm able to influence a policy and I'm, I'm able to um, you know see a positive impact I love it it's great. I, I know just how much how, how much difficulty and how much um, anguish people can get over when they're in that sort of problem debt situation. It's it's enjoyable, and you know the fact that I don't have some grand narrative to to back that up is weird, but I don't think it's the end. I don't think it it sort of brings it to a halt. really fair i think the the reality is that 
you could still have Christianity without God being true and real. I think that's really hard for Christians to understand is it is, it's still possible to, to hold um, the convictions of Christianity without God being real. Um, because if we are saying that God, like, as in the Judeo-Christian God, um, Yahweh, isn't real, at least in the way that it's presented within Christianity, then we are essentially saying that of Christians, that they are living a life where they believe something to be intrinsically true, to be real, to be the very kind of substructure that they are building their entire substructure upon, um, then we are saying it is possible for people to live with a sense of um, reality that isn't true, but is yet giving them direction and purpose focused towards something. I think it comes to kind of, you know, and, and, and this is what I meant by it, it's really, really hard to actually ever say anything is anything, because you just look at the, I think it was. A, I think he's French, but there's the um, famous philosopher uh, Descartes who kind of um, you know says, um, "I think, therefore I am." Or potentially a better way to interpret it would be, um, "I believe, therefore I am." And it's just, it's this weird idea where we kind of um, we only know that we're here potentially because of how our consciousness and our cognitive faculties interact together, which is a big question in and of itself. But we kind of we're aware of how that happens, and if it wasn't for us being aware of consciousness we wouldn't even there's no way to actually prove that consciousness is real apart from the fact that i experience it and i'm therefore going to pretend or assume that you experience it and that you're not a robot just pretending along and, and experiencing the same things as me i mean that's that's a sort of level of kind of certainty that we can get to um and anything after that is 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 as i mentioned before these sorts of contracts with individuals or um conglomerates or um kind of um yeah societies where we're saying um you know this this is what i'm going to hold as true will you honor my contract with your contract and together we can kind of form this sort of trade bargain um, and it could even be just a simple thing of saying hi in the morning because we believe that interacting like that is actually a, a contract that's worth exchanging i've got some um so i've got some um, not friends necessarily but kind of people that live around me and um, i've got a really good friend that lives next door and whenever i see him i'll ch chat to him for sure but there are other people that i'll say hi in the morning when i go for a walk at stupid o'clock um, and they're they're out on the doorstep having a cigarette or whatever and i'll, I'll say hi to them make sure that i'm, I'm kind of recognizing them um there's no potentially no reason why I'm doing that at all, other than I believe that's something that I want to adhere to within my own life. It's it's fascinating how humans, yeah, pull on the strings of things that I feel like they're important to us based on the fact that we assume that they're also experiencing and desiring the same things as us. Yeah, yeah, it, it is it is funny and yeah, it's it's complicated. <laughs> it really is complicated because I do think sometimes we do make decisions that aren't necessarily in our best interests. Um, and I know some people might push for a sort of a, a selfish gene argument where uh, you actually care about other people because they share a certain level of your genetic information and things like that. And it, it feels, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that. There is still that part of me that just goes, that, that feels too robotic um, to us. And I think the the joy of being a conscious being and being able to say, well, actually, here's what I value and here's what I, I feel in myself and therefore I want to act in accordance with that. And I think, you know, interestingly, you know, that was that was probably, you know, as as I talked about last time, I, I didn't always express myself very well and very clearly and cogently, but um, I think the main thing for me was sort of that difference of where I was trying to hold to this realm of unobservable um, moral values, um, which at times actually 
were pushing me against what I observed in the real world and what I observed would actually be promoting or honoring the values that I held um, and, you know, or, or even, you know, pushing against it and um, valuing things uh, like suffering, which seemed so entirely, you know, against my moral intuitions. And, you know, obviously, as we were saying earlier, you know, there's always that, well, how much can I trust myself? How much can I, I trust this biology? At the same time, I think, one, we, we don't need to have a perfect understanding and we don't need to live perfect lives, which is another thing I had to get used to. Um, I, coming out of uh, Christianity and, or certainly the, the form of Christianity uh, that I was in. And I guess, uh, I guess it then allowed a lot more space for me to create new sort of observations and to think afresh as to, well, actually, what do I, what do I observe just in the natural world? And how can I establish my ethics and think about what I want to promote in the world? I know, um, you, you went through quite a similar journey, but for me, actually a big part of that was, well, if, if humans are just part of the natural world and animals are just part of the natural world. And I now have, um, I live in a house where there's a cat and I have this genuine uh, emotional connection with another animal. Actually, there was, there was far less distinguishment. There was far less different between me and the animal. Um, and, you know, even just seeing particularly, um, I can't remember which documentary it was on, um, but it, it was such a, a fascinating scene. And it was a, a pod of whales sort of swimming along. Um, and one of them uh, was a mother and had under her arm um, her baby who had, had died. And all the whales were just swimming along silently. Um, which was a, a very different behavior to standard behavior. And obviously the baby whale is dead. She's literally just holding on to it. And sort of this awareness of, you know, in terms of what consciousness is, is still such an interesting and open conversation. Um, but I, I kind of recognized, okay, they know what death is. And I'm fairly certain they know what suffering is if they know what this grief is um and so eventually i sort of went okay I, I i think i'm going to turn vegetarian i think i you know actually that is more in line with the values that i want to promote um of you know why should we ever create unnecessary suffering um and and while there's uh, that's a whole other topic in itself and you know um various considerations within that actually to me, that just that started to become a more and more obvious choice. And I'd already cut back for health reasons, and I was aware of some of the environmental reasons. And that one just went, actually, no, I this this is now better in line with my values. And so that as much as that wasn't a direct effect of leaving my faith, actually allowed me a lot more space to really reconsider a lot of these old can old assumptions that I had yeah I think something that took me a long time to get to over was this kind of made in the image of God 
motif that you obviously see in Genesis and then carried on right the way through the Bible. Um, because I think even if it's not meant, and I don't think it is necessarily was meant like this, but I think within Christianity, it's, and I, I know I did this, so I'm just speaking for myself really, but um, I definitely somehow believe that this made me better than or above or more important than uh, the, the planet and, and the world and, and, and animals. And it was this idea that there's this idea that I made in the image of God, so therefore I'm special and unique. And also, Jesus is going to return. So it, not that I was littering or anything, but I kind of thought, it's really crap that all these whales and dolphins are dying because of fishing, but it's okay because these things will be remade and reborn and, and, and brought back into some of the sort of state when, when, when Christ returns and either kind of creates a new heaven or restores this one, uh, sorry, creates a new earth or restores this one. And it's just, it's, it's this weird dichotomy that when you actually step outside of religion and you realize that you have the bag and you're left with the bag and you either need to carry the bag and do something about it or kind of put it down and forget about it. And you need to kind of have these tensions within yourself. And then you, you kind of talk about this sort of whale story. Um, and there are so many things like that within within um, kind of history and culture. And this is one of the big reasons why I stepped to, away from Christianity is because um, if evolution is true um, and if it's right that there were um, humans who weren't as um, advanced as us, whatever that looks like, and and they would still have had thoughts and feelings, and there's there's still quite a lot of evidence actually that they buried their dead in a specific way, which could be religious or at least kind of an, an expectation of mourning is is based around how they buried them. Then there are clearly things going within these individuals, and they never had the ability to know J Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They were they were navigating death and mourning and pain and suffering without God, um, without a a a, a light, yeah, with Without that 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 northern light in the sky, they were trying to understand this world, and you know it's just it's it's, it's a simple fact um, that you know two hundred years ago the kind of um, number of um, children that died below the age of five was around the forty eight to fifty percent mark. Um, these days it's about four percent, and that's mainly within third world uh, countries. I know we probably shouldn't call it that anymore, but you know other other countries other than kind of the West essentially, um, and it, it's this reality that there is immense suffering and immense pain and immense mourning and grief within a conscious being's mind and i believe that whales are conscious and they are beings and that they can experience pain and suffering like if someone goes and harpoons a whale they're not going oh no i guess that's me done okay good i'm going to give up this now you see them fighting to get away from it because there is a desire to live a, a desire to be somewhere other than where they are at that point and that's not them just going oh maybe i don't want to be here that's a conscious desire to move away from this pain and suffering because they are they are like us and um, they are yeah fully in tune with their kind of neural network and that could be some sort of like conscious brain and their physical brain interacting that could be just a physical brain it could be whatever language you want to give it and um, there is something that's that's going on there that is um is, is hard to reconcile because we don't understand within ourselves and i just find it very hard when we look back at the christian motif where we're going we are special like i fully appreciate that we have the ability to think and express ourselves in different ways but why are we special why do we think that we have the innate rights to do x y and z um to this planet i just don't understand but yeah that's, that's my that's my mini sort of vegan rant over um there you go <laughs> yeah fair enough i mean uh, i must say my my dad is is not just a christian but also a former butcher so you know um 
you know, telling him I was an atheist was hard enough. Telling him I'm vegetarian, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he might disown me at that point. <laughs> there are like levels of hell and you're now in, in that lowest, <laughs> yeah, lowest yeah, level. Yeah, this will break his heart more. <laughs> yeah, he'll be there with these all their meat cleavers just sharpening them, watching you burn. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, that's pretty dark. <laughs> bad joke, bad joke. Yeah. But yeah, um, I think, yeah, morality, morality is interesting and, and trying to engage with that. I think, yeah, it, it's interesting because obviously those beliefs, and this is kind of the, the main argument uh, I do have in, you know, there's the question of, you know, do you believe that God exists? Um, and you can sort of go probably yes, probably no. Um, and, and to a certain extent, a lot of time and effort is spent on, on that question. Um, but at the same time, to a certain extent, even if the answer is yes, the, there's then a whole load of other statements that are then required to then go, well, actually then ha- what, what does that actually change? What are the implications of that? And I guess, you know, just picking up on, on your point there, um, I, I think this is sort of my, where not to say that any Christian is ever less moral uh, than any atheist. I, I don't actually think that's true. I think, uh, and I guess part of what I'm saying is actually, I think our our moral beliefs and our religious beliefs are, can be really disconnected uh, a lot of the time. And particularly, I, I think I observed this a lot as a Christian. I used to be really critical of it. I, I guess part of me would still have this similar criticism now but not quite the same way in terms of actually most people change their god to fit their moral beliefs um and will kind of trim the edges um to to try and make it fit what they they actually want it to fit and obviously that that can be problematic but i guess yeah for me it's sort of that i improve my understanding of the world and therefore how i should act in that world in order to uh, honor or promote my values by bringing what is observable um, into being observed and checking that and understanding okay have I observed this correctly have I understood uh, this correctly you know taking that sort of empirical approach the concern that I always had uh, and that really built up is well actually most of these theistic more moral systems rely on an unobservable dimension to that morality so things like you know effects in the afterlife heaven hell these sort of things but even just a simple approval or disapproval of god um that's a really um you can't verify that um you can try and say well actually we've we've got this book and we've got this one uh we've got this one instance where we were told to do it um, but then actually, what do you do when what we observe is one thing and what we're, you're being told in that sort of unobserved realm is different? Um, that misalignment, I think, is it's so often what I had to deal with as a Christian and what I think a lot of Christians are constantly faced with. And typically, you, you do see them go in, in sort of that one or two ways, typically in sort of well, God didn't really say that. 
that wasn't what you meant or that was that was for a very particular moment in time and we try and step back from it as much as possible as much as they feel is is valid and and different christians will feel different different levels of that is suitable um or you know sometimes and i think this is the more malicious end of it they they will create new observations they will you know they will over dramatize the impacts and the the damages that can be created or indeed underestimated you know i and you know i think if you took any if you took any of those christians who do have this mentality of well we're we're unique we're created by god um and you know you you tortured an animal in front of them they would go no stop that i i don't like that that's that's contradicting my values i i almost have certainty of that um and whether that was a dog a cat or even a, a cow or a pig I'm, I'm fairly certain most would i'm fairly certain most would really struggle to go into a slaughterhouse i'm really certain that most would really struggle to actually hold the axe themselves um and i think yeah, it's 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 a, and this is not unique to Christians at all, um, as much as um, or any other religious beliefs. I think we all do it when um, when we are set, especially when we when we're set in decisions which have that moral dimension that that requires us to go. Actually, have I misunderstood things? Have I acted in ways that were suboptimal to my values um that's uncomfortable but actually taking the blinders off and going yeah i'm causing suffering to another animal for purpose of eating it um when i don't need to and i'd be healthier if i didn't <laughs> uh, it's it's hard it's hard i don't i don't i don't blame people for for it um, I think we all do it. I think it's just a case of encouraging one another to take the blinders off and to constantly be humble and making new observations and checking that the observations we've made on the world are correct with, with new information as it arises. Hey, I want to take a minute of your time to talk about supporting when belief dies. This will always be an advertisement-free podcast, and for that reason, I hope you will be willing to share this episode with your friends and family. Subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app, and check us out over on YouTube. Finally, I want to ask you to consider supporting the show financially. You can support the show on Patreon with a monthly gift or a one-off donation via PayPal. Everything that you give goes directly towards running and improving the blog and podcast. Take a look in the description for all the links and thank you for supporting the show. Right, let's get back to this week's episode. Yeah, man, there's so many roads I want to take this down. Um, so there's this thing that I've said before on the podcast, which is very depressing um, and also very true, which is um, essentially everything ends in a box. Um, so you're going to get a new phone and eventually you're going to put it into a box. It's going to be done with um, 
and you know and you can extrapolate that all the way to yourself and your loved ones one day you'll be put into a box and you'll either be cremated or buried um or just left somewhere depending on the world's ending um so <laughs> there's this sort of like um there's this awkward truth that this life is finite and it is um temporal and it is um not forever, but yet we live with a sense that it is forever. And there's that famous C.S. Lewis quote, which is, um, you know, what you know, very much kind of just, you know, um, ad hominem it or whatever the right language is, like making it up as we go. Um, but it's something like, um, you know, um, why do I believe that, you know, or why do I have a desire for uh, eternity? It's because there must be an answer for that desire for eternity. Therefore, kind of God must exist. Um, but I actually think it kind of re really roots down within our genes, within our kind of mental structure and our frameworks where um, if we do not live like we are going to survive for the next 30, 40 years, which really is forever because we can't even really imagine what 30, 40 years is going to be like, um, we aren't able to push things forwards in a constructive, healthy vibrant way um we're going to keep pushing things forward in in a sort of um yeah kind of confused um this might happen this might not happen i don't really know what's going on sort of way so i think actually there's a lot of evidence to suggest why we live like we aren't going to go um and almost we kind of put those blinders on ourselves and then i then look at the rest of our lives and i think you're absolutely right um how you're talking about kind of uh, you know murdering something uh, to eat it like people not everybody like i i have actually kind of killed foxes and stuff that were that were killing lambs and sheep and when, when i was um, helping out on farms and things but um you know lots of people would really struggle to actually get a gun and put it to a cow's head or a calf's head and, and kill it because it's a, a calf that's going to be taking milk from this mum we want to give that milk to people who are going to buy it um that'd be a really really hard thing to do and um it's 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 that weird sort of ability to be okay and real with yourself about what you can and cannot cope with um that i think says a lot about us as humans um we 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 consistently want to live as if as if the world lives up to and obeys our moral and hopeful standards where in actual fact it, it doesn't very often we are forced to live within a framework or a structure that isn't true and when we're so forced to step into these other frameworks we realize there is more going on than the structures that we have created ourselves um and a kind of an example that i use consistently and i'll keep using it because they're beautiful i've got i've got two boys who i who i love to bits and um, they're very young i'm sure if they listen back to this when they're 15 and 16 hear me call them beautiful i'll be i'll be beaten up so please don't don't let them hear this um anyway and um, currently they're beautiful you know they're, they're very young um and um there's this reality where i kind of go in at night to make sure that they're still breathing still like i still do that and i think a lot of parents um remain doing that for a very long time like i want to make sure they're okay and like kind of tuck them back in put their teddies next to them make sure that they're comfortable and they're happy um and people kind of say to me like is this not the love of god are you not experiencing that sort of um complete overwhelming hope and desire and love and adoration upon these children much like your father has given upon you um and i kind of want to say to them like if one of these children got cancer and they ended up in a box um you would have some excuse as to why that was okay and why god allow that to happen like you'd create some sort of theodicy or something to justify the pain and horror and suffering that someone would go through that i love and admire that much um to fit in with your worldview to fit in with what you want to be true 
what I can say now, and I think the most beautiful thing about what you're speaking about, Daniel, and, and what I experience is the ability to hold this world in tender fingers. Like we aren't trying to grasp it and go, this is the world and I'm going to hold on to it tight. We're trying to say, I don't know. I don't know if God's real or not, but I'm going to explore and experience and ask questions and try and understand. Um, not so that I, as you mentioned before, can't even decide where I'm going to go for dinner, um, but actually so that I can actually begin to go, there is so much going on that I do not know and it is false to be even begin to try and pretend that we do know. We, we just like that. It's called the hard problem of consciousness for a reason. Like it is a, a hard thing to, to reconcile, potentially impossible given the sort of scientific laws Galileo has given us, which is a conversation we have at a, at a later date. Um, but essentially kind of we don't know everything and we need to hold it loosely and allow our opinions and our views to shift and change as we begin to journey this thing through um and this is why I'm, I've, I've kind of upset a lot of people recently uh, i say recently the last kind of six months of my journey especially on the podcast where i've been talking about this stuff more kind of in, in the open than the blog going to kind of catch up but um, i'm kind of dropping not, i'm not dropped i've kind of dropping the term atheist from what i call myself um the, the reality is i think actually for a lot of people i i am still an atheist like i'm i, I i'm not convinced that, that, that God is real um, and that goes to every God that I've ever come across. Like I, so therefore I am an atheist in, in that mindset. But I think the issue is the term atheism very often these days implies materialism. Um, and I think there are things that suggest that materialism might not be completely true or correct, um, which is a, another good conversation we can have. But it's this, it's this holding things within tender hands that I think is important. It's the I'm not saying that you know atheism isn't right and I'm not saying that it's not something that I would call myself I would call myself but I'm trying to reject the things that it's saying this cannot be true because oh actually we, we don't have any proof that materialism is the only worldview that is the right worldview there is a lot of things to suggest that it's not the, the the sort of complete right worldview and this is not me saying that you know just up here there's god and he's looking down at me like i'm not saying that at all what i'm trying to say is there is this world and this universe and the way that this has been brought about if that's natural or, or not natural i don't know but the way this has been brought about is far more nuanced far more complicated and far more bigger than we are able to comprehend and to grasp so let's hold it loosely and let's begin to journey this thing through step by step and sure you know in, in a conversation between you and me into this podcast the term atheist probably applies but when I'm talking to somebody on the street or I'm in a, involved in a twitter debate or something like the term atheist is going to make them just think materialist and actually I want them to realize that I'm not trying to say oh I've given up this set of hard beliefs for this set of hard beliefs what I'm trying to say is I don't know and I'm going to hold this like this and rather than adhering to these 95 theses from Martin Luther or these sort of like seven Richard Dawkins theses, I want to actually go, this world is so exciting and I can begin to talk about it in a way that brings people from any worldview to a position where we go, that is fascinating and I didn't know that and how can we explore that and that challenges some of my beliefs and I want to begin to journey out this I don't know um, in whatever light I can and I find that that really exciting um, so yeah that's probably another thing that's changed in the last sort of year or so um, tr trying to not just um, be another kind of trumpet blower for um, a set doctrine almost um, which is going to annoy people in the way I'm, I'm not not trying to I'm just trying to be honest so uh, yeah <laughs> yeah it's fair enough I mean even just that word atheism is has so many different understandings. I mean, I said to you last time, like at first I really disliked the idea that I'm, that might be the most accurate term of my beliefs because of, 
you know, the, 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 the mockery that I sometimes saw, um, in, but coming from other atheists, I, I really struggled with that. I think for me, I, I do use the term atheists, uh, and I guess there's a couple of reasons for that. Or even then, I, I usually say I used to be a Christian and now I'm an atheist. I usually attach them together because I guess, like for me, it's not like a the the fact that I believe that there isn't a God is actually something that is so core and crucial to my identity and how I think about myself, but rather part of it is because I'm aware people who either have doubts or are, are going through that journey, there's, there's not a lot of visibility and people don't talk about religion all that much. So for me to be able to go, yeah, I used to be a Christian, but now I'm an atheist is basically if anyone here <laughs> is, is going through that, you can chat to me. You can, you know, um, you can ask me about that. I think, you know, equally, you know, sometimes I could technically say, well, I'm technically agnostic. It's not like I've got this concrete argument against God. I've not um, got this single piece of evidence that's just going to strike down any God. I've more just arrived at, well, basically there's no situation where I've not found a sort of situation of Occam's razor. So the idea of reducing any sort of ad hoc components, anything that doesn't really need to be there, doesn't need to be there. Um, and I've yet to find a question where there might be an uncomfortable answer. It might be a, a easier story. Um, uh, and, you know, our confidence aligns with more how easy the story is to tell ourselves about some certain truth rather than the actual nature of the truth. Um, but I've yet to find a situation where I don't actually see that God is a necessary component um, mm. of the universe or existence and these sort of things. So, but that's not to say that, okay, it's completely off the table. It's just that my confidence level of that being the truth is, is incredibly low. Yeah. And even then, you know, as I said earlier, um, just to say that God exists, there's then a whole load of other questions of, well, actually what's his character? What's his attributes? I'm even saying his, her, theirs, like, what, what, what are we talking about here? Person, persons, um, you know, there's it, it launches into a whole load of other questions that I think, cannot be observed and are very, very difficult to actually arrive at proper answers to. I, I don't find the classical apologetics arguments all that convincing. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's, and I guess also to other Christians, if I kind of go, well, I'm agnostic, they kind of might think, oh, you've not really thought about it that much then. <laughs> and yeah, uh, having driven myself to almost insanity with that question, um, <laughs> I wouldn't want to give that impression. It kind of just just goes, unless, unless we're actually going to go somewhere, sit down, have a coffee and talk about this seriously, don't try. <laughs> Please don't. It's not going to go well. So I guess there's a couple of different reasons why you picked that up. I, I hadn't connected it so much to materialism. Uh, I've not I've not seen that. So, yeah, interesting thought. Yeah.
it's yeah i think it's just it seems to be so i think um especially this podcast um seems to uh, draw in christians and non-christians like i i know for a fact christians listen to this and, and non-christians and they are um you know very very firm within their beliefs they're not kind of wavering within their beliefs but they're kind of wanting to understand and listen to the journey and i think i've noticed when speaking to christians which i do regularly that they they seem to attribute materialism to the term atheism and in kind of light of that that has been the thing that has kind of made me want to step back from this sort of like hard um hard atheist sort of this is what i am um, an agnostic atheist or i'm an atheist or whatever it's not because i don't think it's true like i do i i i, I do think that i would be classed as an atheist within 99% of the circles that I kind of in, in, in engage within I think it's the fact that I want and enjoy the conversation to a level that means that people can come along and have those conversations with me where they go so why don't you use the term atheist and I can go oh because I think it kind of links to materialism okay why don't you think materialism is the sort of like the be all and end all and I can go or well, these are my reasons I've kind of mentioned them already sort of like consciousness and kind of reason and how we use reason and those sorts of things I think there could be there could be more going on there and again I'm not saying there is more going on there I'm saying there, there could be there could be pointers to something else um God I don't know and if it is God as you said um all the work is ahead of whoever says that's God's to prove it's true as Christopher Hitchens would say you know all your work is ahead of you to prove that that this that this God that you claim is is this specific God that you're claiming um so I mean th this is this is why I find this this to be the journey, this to be the destination. I really think in you know, the next kind of 200 years, 100, 200 years, people are going to look back at um, not necessarily this podcast, but other podcasts that have done far better than this podcast and, and, and realize that this was the question. This was the defining thing that, that made us as a, as a species um, begin to try and find our place within the world because we've been searching for a place and we believed we had a place through doctrine and through religion and through creed and mantra and divinity and actually we began to find our place in something other than and for me atheism speaks too much of divinity and creed and these other things that religion have brought about i mean alec ryrie um, someone i spoke to a while ago talks about um atheism and how actually it's it's quite a christian word it's quite a christian way of looking at stuff and um you know we can talk about that that's absolutely fine but i found that very interesting as well and it's even in the way that we describe ourselves in our non-belief and the things that we adhere to within that non-belief um, it still speaks and smacks of a christian sort of substrate that we kind of bring about um anyway I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to go into that but i think and i'm where you want to talk but i'm going to finish off with this um so the reason that i don't use the term atheism as much as i could and for, for you and for other people that are in that camp already i don't that's you know fine use it that's a label that i'm happy with um it's for those that are on the outskirts those that are on the edge that want to still hold i mentioned this world within these tender fingers and go um what is it that gives me purpose and meaning and begin to find awe and wonder and and hope within those discoveries um i finished the the conversation with um perry marshall saying thank you for writing your book it's given me hope again and it wasn't necessarily because i believe in what he's saying although i'm very willing to go away and do the reading myself it was because um i find it fascinating when somebody 
believes they've come to a point where they're, where they're able to prove the, the sort of expected status quo to be incorrect. Um, and then you see those that are within that expected status quo completely and utterly rebelling against what these other people are saying almost in a fanatical christian sense um so for instance you know jerry Coyne absolutely hates perry marshall and has been really awful about him in quite a few settings even when i asked him directly to kind of talk to me about what perry's saying he was outright like how dare you have this person on your show sort of kind of like levels of email and um, it's interesting because it felt very religious and very fanatical in his response to these things and it's that it's that that i want to push against it's the i'm willing to have the conversation i'm not saying you're right but i want to hear it and i want to engage with it as long as it's not completely like bullshit crazy um like someone sent me a weird email where they said you know the fact that mount sinai is here and israel's here points to the fact that um you know the israelites were this number of people when they left egypt and i was like what <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about it's just completely wacky i'm like okay maybe not that but there are people that i wanted to have on these conversations anyway you wanted to probably push into the sort of bits i was talking about before yeah no it's interesting and i i likewise sort of have have those uh, maybe not quite the same but similar critiques uh, around how the dialogue has been from from many atheists I, I completely agree and i i still have hope and i i guess i i still see um many atheists putting out some fantastic uh content in terms of podcasts in terms of uh youtube videos and all the all that sort of thing to try and try and change some of that and, and uh, i'm hoping we can really encourage people to do a lot more of that to engage honestly with themselves uh, and not get caught up in a, a, a second sort of dogmatism and i think especially after you've had your conversation with tom holland i think it'd be really interesting to to see you know to explore this question of you know just because we have escaped um christianity literally can we escape it mythologically um can we uh, are there still things in our thinking which are built on that christian worldview and are those helpful um it, you know some some of these things it's it's not always digging down right to the the root of it to say is it true um to pick up on your fiat currency points you know is fiat currency true um kind of its imaginary time traveling currency um it, it's not a question of whether it's true it's whether it's helpful and whether it helps our economy run there might be similar sort of considerations in some things as well i i always get nervous around that but you know it could be true um but i'm just curious just you know um with a few minutes we've got left you know you still say you want christianity to be true hmm. And I guess I'm just really curious to lean into that and sort of say, uh, or question, because Christianity is such a massive broad bucket yeah, with yeah. so many particular doctrines and so many particular areas. Is it still, uh, and what is the needs that you feel that Christianity fulfills that you've not yet been able to fully grasp and attain in in this journey yeah i definitely think it's all that sort of um pent up i'm not allowed to have sex before i get married thing that's that was really what kind of like made me want to stick with it um that was really helpful for everybody um sorry um for me when i say i, I want christianity to be true i guess that is a very unha 
un- unhelpful statement. Um, I I really believed in God. Like I know a lot of people that hear me now think I didn't believe in God once, but I honestly, honestly, really did. And you know, if, if you don't believe me, that that's not going to convince you, which is fine. Um, but I really did believe that God existed, and I really did believe that this God was a God that knew me personally and loved me and engaged with me and cared about me and brought me about in this time, this place for a reason to do a certain thing for his glory. And I could interact and know this person intimately. And when I say I want Christianity to be true, it's I want that to be true. The problem I have is I think that there is too much evidence on the scale to ever allow enough evidence to come back onto the scale to kind of bring that back into some sort of possible alignment where kind of Christianity has that 51% you're back in. Um, I just don't see that. I don't see that's happening. So um, when I say Christianity, I want Christianity to be true. I want the stories and the hope and the love and the rhetoric that I was given to be correct. And it still breaks my heart every day when I realize it's not. Um, and I think that's because I was you know, raised being read the Bible, being told that hell was a literal place that you're going to go if, if you don't believe this stuff. And, you know, as a very young age, I mean, my, my parents did it out of love. And I know that sounds really messed up. Um, but for them, it was from this. We want you to believe this because this is, um, this is your eternal destination, um, which I find strange now looking back at. And I can go into why in a minute because um, it, it's really bizarre to think through that when you actually work out the logic behind it. Um, but it, it's that it's that when I say I want Christianity to be true is I want this person, this person to be personable once again. And this person is never going to be personable again. That's not going to happen. Um, and I think that I will be dealing with that fallout for the rest of my life. Um, and my hope is that I can allow my children to experience love and to experience the things that I thought I had from this individual, um, from me and from their friends and from those that are close around them, their family, so that they don't have to begin to have to work through, um, I hate the term trauma, but have to work through um, the fallout, let's call it like radiation fallout, like of a belief system to crumble beneath them. And I think my blog, my, my, my early posts and my blog really gets across at this sort of, um, you sort of realise that the roof's caved in and the walls are falling down and you're left standing and the sunlight's pouring through and you're like, I thought I was in a house, but I'm not anymore. And I don't, I don't know where my foundation and my roof is gone and having to begin to explore that again. And just kind of touching on the sort of hell and hell and heaven element, I find it interesting, like, imagine that you, or you do, like, have, have everyone will have, have a loved one of, of some sort. And um, whatever that person's done in their life, could you possibly imagine um, a, a punishment that lasts forever where they are unable to atone for a decision they made in a temporal space for all time. So a, a, a finite amount of time, you can make decisions and you can do things to an extent where you are punished indefinitely for a crime. Like there is no, there is nothing that I can think that my boys, I mean, they could be like fucking rapists and murderers. I think that's fucking awful. Um, but I don't think they should be punished eternally for anything. And I think that's the, that's the weird 
the weird decision is, is, is we often look at the other and go, well, they should be punished for that, obviously, that when they did that thing to that person, that was incorrect, and there should be some sort of reconciliation for that. Um, and that, that's you know, absolutely fine. I can fully understand why there's sort of like that um, sort of like a crime punishment justice system that, that's in place. I, I, I understand and agree. It's, it's when you say that there are those that you love completely who will not be in your paradise they will be somewhere other than where you are and they could have made a decision otherwise but they chose something else and therefore they are going to be punished while you are eternally happy um, how do you believe you are going to be happy knowing that the ones that you love truly who are made in the image of god who are created to be like him are unable to enjoy the very thing that you are calling paradise i find that really strange and people kind of use this sort of c.s lewis metaphor where they, where they turn around and say um you know they will no longer be in the image of god they will be something else um and i kind of want to say well in that case they are no longer being tormented forever they are no longer in existence that's sort of that that, that in, in annihilation sort of um uh, motif comes into existence and, th and this is what we're seeing essentially this is what i'm trying to get at. this is what we're seeing within the church at the moment is, is a step away from an internal hell into a uh, either kind of universalism where eventually you know there's purgatory for a while and people come into heaven um, or there's annihilation where people will be essentially buffed out of existence gone because uh, god has said you are not fit to enter into my presence um, and i just find it strange that i don't think and i'm still to be convinced of interestingly the ability that we have any control over what does or does not convince us that it's true um and therefore we think that there's a god who can turn around and say you never knew me or i never knew you and i think daniel you and me could very rightly say but i fucking looked like i tried my utmost to find if you were real i asked the questions i had the conversations i was willing to lose my faith lose my family lose my friends and lose my job all trying to know if you're real and finding nothing but questions and ash and I, I i can't help but kind of ask a christian how does that how does that ever make sense how can you reconcile those two things of this complete paradise and this eternal punishment um it just doesn't for me it just doesn't it, it cannot add up anymore and then you kind of get to sort of like you know heaven and hell by by Bartman or a variety of other books these days there are loads being written by christians and non-christians trying to justify or explain away hell and heaven and um, because we are coming to the point where we are realizing that um, we have potentially created narratives and structures to imply and imbue justice on a world that is not founded upon a justice system it's that sort of i want this person to have recompense for what they've done let's think of adolf hitler i think many people would agree that he's a bit of a twat um to say it very very kind of like loosely um you know we all want him to be <laughs> title of the episode adolf hitler bit of a twat um anyway um basically we, we want him to be punished right and we don't know how he died was he you know did he kill himself and the russians got his bones did the russians take him away and just like lock him up we, we just we honestly we just don't know i don't know if we ever will um and there's this weird idea that we want there to be something other than this life where this person is going to have to pay for the sins of what they've done um 
it's it's just different when we begin to say that therefore I think I know best and this person should have a have an indefinite punishment for it and that's where these books come in where they kind of begin to look at why we have created punishments because I can fully fucking understand why someone would want him to burn for all time um, and we want that justice to be there so we kind of put it put it in place don't we but is it true uh, that's that's the catch there's no way of knowing uh, there's just no way of knowing and so those two things can't be reconciled so for me that's a big element of why I don't think I don't think this this god that i want to be true um is is actually true sorry massively weird tangent there but there we go no it's 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 interesting stuff and you know especially as you talked about hell i I can hear in your voice, like, um, you, you know, you and I have both um, struggled with that topic in, in, in different ways. And yeah, it is one of those things where, <laughs> you know, so many Christians will, you know, are, you know, at the end of the day, regardless of our beliefs, we're all human and they're no different. And I think any us versus them culture that we can create when we're talking um, as atheists or <clears throat> people who are questioning, um, is we we want to reject that. But I'm I'm aware, like so many people who know me, hold those beliefs and still want to have a relationship with me, and I'm fully aware that that is a like that is a weirdest torment for them in this life to actually hold to that belief and to try and still maintain uh that that closeness of relationship and you know for me i guess part of the reason why i asked my question of you is is it, it was very similar for me as well it is and i i think a lot of it took me a while to actually recognize it and to be able to talk about it because you go through this process and you arrive at this conclusion that god isn't real but there's still this emotional, like, and it is like grieving. It is like losing someone because for 28 years of my life, I had a father in heaven and I had a relationship with him. I had times when things were going well. I'd had times when I disagreed with him and I was angry with him and I was confused by him and I was working things through. And I had this... Calvinist assurance of I was chosen by him and whenever I didn't feel loved by other people around me I had this coping mechanism of going but but God does love me whenever I really struggled to feel part of a, a group a community you know, a lot of that then went, well, actually, I made the church more my community because, well, we're, we're part of the same family, you know, they, they have to love me. <laughs> um, and so there was that assurance and that coping mechanism that my faith had provided with to me. And so coming out of that, I had to reconcile myself to some of these insecurities that I had underneath the surface and recognize yeah, I'm going through that loss uh, and trying to work 
find new ways of of meeting those needs. So I think, you know, working through sort of that deconversion, deconstruction process, identifying not just I, I want everything back. That's unlikely. If you wanted everything back, you probably wouldn't be going through this. There's something there's something setting you off here. Um, but trying to find actually what what is missing, what does need to rebuilt be rebuilt, and that that does take a, a significant a significant amount of time. And this is this is the thing, right? This is the journey. And this is why I think um I, I really enjoy podcasts which are very Christian or very atheist because they seem to have um uh landed in positions and have viewpoints which are um, firm and fixed and that's great and I think a lot of people like struggle to live a life uh, where they're making decisions about jobs and family without having those things but I think um, there's a very rare space for a podcast which is able to um, hold these things in tension and to honestly explain why they do not believe something um, but then also to begin to work through okay well how do we have ethics then how do we have morality how do we have purpose and reason and destiny like where do these things fit into this unknown structure and um, had this jigsaw right and you basically pulled out the center of it and I'm like oh shit right I've got to put these pieces back in like how do I make that make sense I'm just there like trying to slap them in and they're just not going in I'm getting confused and um, I think that's that's what's exciting about this is um, is that it's it's a journey it's not a destination i say it all the time like life life isn't a destination like um it's gonna end in a box like i know that sounds really harsh but the, the the moment you begin to understand that it is going to end in a box the moment you begin to to let go of so much shit that you just do not need to worry about and to enjoy and make the most of this and explore and to find joy in the exploration like begin to look at meditation and go like is this something I could actually like begin to have in my life and maybe it's not for you that is absolutely fine but maybe it's something that's going to be pushing you along a path you never thought possible because you're beginning to journey and enjoy exploring um I would say try not to explore too many things like crack cocaine probably isn't a good place to start um but you know some things you can enjoy like try a good whiskey try try a good cigar like you know people say smoking's bad yeah it, there's loads of reasons to think smoking's bad but um why don't you try a cigar i tried one a few a, a, a few months ago and then threw up so i um i know it's probably not 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 for me very often but um make the most of this life um and just yeah try and find joy in the beautiful things like this my, my wife's amazing so she um she loves birds and she's kind of got our back garden like suited out for birds basically she'll just sit there all day watching birds fly and she said to me the other day robins are our favorite aren't they and i was like yeah, sure, babe. Robins are our favourite, and and whenever we're out walking with the kids, and we live in um, we live in basically uh, Yorkshire, quite quite a hilly area, and kind of near um near near nearish to Halifax, and um, uh, there's just so many birds and so many lambs and so many things happening. So we're 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 recording this sort of like mid April, just just for the listener. Um, it'll be a few months till it's out, but basically spring is here, and we're beginning to see these bird songs again. We're beginning to see these 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 animals coming to coming into being, and it's that it's that joy within this moment because um, you can worry about the next moment or you can be looking at the moment that's just gone but actually this moment right now is never going to come again so why don't you grab it while you can yeah and and i think so many people when they're going on this journey because when you start to tell people there's all these questions and because you know it, it's such it, or at least it has been such an important question you know you suddenly feel like, okay, so now I need to understand hermeneutics, metaethics, neurotheology. I need to understand like all of these things together comprehensively. And, and I guess just 
to recognize that you don't. Um, these can be exciting avenues to explore. These can be interesting questions um, to approach. But I think part of the benefit of being able to go, I think the reality is probably that we just exist and we can live this life well. It means that you can start to adopt a bit more of a, an ease and even as you explore these questions, which can be really, really exciting questions, I, I geek out over so many aspects of this stuff. Um, you know, history, literary criticism, probably not as interested in some of that stuff. Um, so I'm not, I'm not going to go deep into that, but some of the other more philosophy areas, more scientific areas, um, nature, uh, consciousness, as we've talked about, that really intrigues me that really excites me and you can go through those conversations with ease when you recognize um the the pressure is off um and you don't need to listen to everyone putting that pressure on you to have everything worked out um because if that's that's the pressure you can only ever fall into just another trap of a misleading <laughs> um certainty um, when certainty isn't possible and we can enjoy that I hope you enjoyed this week's episode to leave any comments or thoughts you can head over to YouTube and to follow us on social media or to see where else we are online hit the link in the description thank you to all our regular givers for making this dream a reality I'll catch you here at the same time next week Enjoy the journey.